You like that opening? <laughs> Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face to face. And I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Whether you're watching on the NRB uh, Network, DirecTV, Channel 378, or listening on AM820, The Truth, we welcome you. You know, I want to take a second and thank all of you for, uh, I want to thank all of our volunteers for helping out over the years. There's people who are standing behind the cameras who volunteer, people who are directing, who do sound, who do graphics, who take phone calls, uh, operators, people who answer emails uh, or help with emails, people who mail books. Uh, these people are very dear to me and I'm grateful for them. And I'm saying that now because the ministry, we have been under some major attacks. It's like if things can go wrong, they have been going wrong. Just like the opening of the show. For the past few weeks, we've had a lot of things going on in everybody's personal lives, within uh, each other, with our Bible study, with this. And so uh, we just pray that the Lord will continue to bless the ministry and we're thankful for it. And I just want to personally say I'm grateful for everybody and all that they do to help uh, share this uh, gospel of Jesus Christ with people who are seeking. Did you know that you can go online and watch streaming video anywhere in the world? Uh, heart of the matter, just tell your family and friends, www.hotm.tv. We also have a book, I Was a Born Again Mormon, Moving Toward Christian Authenticity. Uh, the book's available at bornagainmormon.com, at utlm.org, Christian Gift and Bible, Lifeway Christian Books. It's also available at Amazon and places like that, wherever you want to pick it up. And we also have a Bible study, as I mentioned, every Sunday from 2.30 to 3.30. It's not never denominational Bible study. We go verse by verse. We sit there. Usually people bring food. We talk. I teach. And we end after about an hour. And it's a great time to study the Word of God. Go to calvarycampus.com for more information, like times and locations. We have a number of speaking events coming up in October. This Sunday, October 3rd, I'll be speaking in Provo Baptist Church, 6 p.m. Join us. It's a lot of fun with Pastor Neil. Then also on Sunday, October 3rd, 7 p.m., Super Chick, a Christian band, will be playing at Calvary Chapel, Salt Lake City. So check that out. Uh, that would be a great time. Then on October 6th, a Wednesday, I will be speaking uh, for the Compassion, Clarity, and Conf Confidence Ministry of Magic Valley. They've asked me to speak at the Lighthouse in Twin Falls, Idaho, Wednesday, October 6th, 7 p.m. This event is free. Come early and get uh, a good seat. There, uh, I guess it's a very large venue. The Lighthouse is located at 960 East Highland, East Eastland Drive in Twin Falls, Idaho. You can go to www.lighthousetwinfalls.com. First time we have spoke in that area and really look to, uh, forward to it. And finally, Utah Christian Fellowship is having me speak on Sunday, October 17th. 6 p.m. Utah Christian Fellowship. Uh, 
Go to utahchristian.net for more information like map and or directions. Next week, we're going to announce something that I think is really, really uh, exciting, something that I believe most people will enjoy and will benefit the ministry greatly, so stay tuned when we announce that. Well, as a, a, re, as a result of last week's program uh, on polygamy, we have taken some serious hits, reaction, primarily from the Christian community. Several people who wrote did not believe Abraham was a polygamist. In fact, they insisted he was not. He was. Uh, other uh, adamantly insisted that polygamy is adultery. No matter when or where it has been practiced, they said it's adultery. It's not. Uh, if it is, then Abraham was an adulterer, and he wasn't. But what really got under people's skin was my advice to a caller who asked, what would you advise a polygamist and his wives who have come to know the Lord? Would you tell them they had to break up their multiple marriages? And my response to them was, I would advise them to... Uh, uh, take it to the Lord, trust Him to lead and guide in this situation. And uh, because of that response, we had a number of emails. I want to read you one. This is from Jean or Jeannie. I've watched the show to learn a, more about LDS beliefs so I can witness more effectively and have put up with the way you laugh at certain callers. But now you have said things that are doctrinally incorrect, namely that a polygamist who gets saved can keep his wives. That's not what I said. Theologians who are far more knowledgeable than you would disagree. So after watching your show for three or four years, I am sorry to say I will watch no longer. What's next, Sean? Will you say homosexuals in a committed relationship should stay together after they get saved? Give me a break. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say any of those things. And we got a whole bunch of emails. And if we have time, uh, I'll read them at the end. But listen, we live in a fallen world, folks. And a large part of this fallen world, believe it or not, actually practices polygamy. As I said last week, it was not and is not God's way. And as I said last week, Jesus restored the pure Edenic model for marriage, one man to one woman. But most things we do as humans are not God's way uh, either. And uh, your angry commentary emails to me are not God's way either. So uh, we just have to approach people and their lives as they are with grace and love and understanding and bring a focus on Jesus to heal and make corrections. And you don't need someone to say, this has to happen right now because you have become a Christian. You know, God doesn't take anybody and make them perfect uh, when they become a Christian in their flesh. He makes them perfect according to our spirits and our sin through Christ's blood. But in our flesh, he, he works with us babes in Christ. And he works with us and he leads us and guides us throughout our lives. So let's back off on the, on the acerbic stuff and, and just calm down. And let's just try to deal with this stuff in love. And with that, let's have a prayer. God in heaven, we love you and need you uh, in our lives. And uh, we just pray your Holy Spirit to be with us here in the studio uh, with our audience, our <coughs> viewing audience, <coughs> wherever they may be. And uh, we pray that you will help the technical issues that come with doing television. And Lord, help me as I deliver this message that the things will be of you and those things that aren't will just fall away and die. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first four words in the Bible plainly lays bare everything we might want to know about the origins of matter, space, time, earth, and even man. They speak of God's makeup and about monotheism, uh, polytheism, henotheism. Uh, what are the four words? In the beginning, God. 
Every single human being has a choice at hearing these words. We can believe them and we can receive and embrace them or we can doubt them, we can add to them, or we can deny them. Believe it or not, these four simple words, how they are received or how they are rejected, define a person's Judaism, they define their Islamism, and they define a person's Christianity because the beginning either means the beginning or it doesn't. And God was either at this beginning or he was not. Devout Jews, Muslims, and Christians fully receive these four words as they are. In the beginning, definitive beginning, God. Taking samples from the Old Testament, we read other passages that help establish the eternality and the singleness of God. In Exodus 22, God is clear on how he wants to be seen by the children of Israel, saying, quote, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt not have, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Emphasizing the first four words of Genesis, God says in Isaiah 45, 21, who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God, that's a capital G, else beside me. A just God and a savior. There is none beside me. If God is anything, he is demanding that he and he alone is God. And there is none before him, there is none after him, and there never will be any other God ever. This does not mean there are not lowercase gods with a lowercase g. In the world, there are many lowercase gods. I could make this cup a god if I wanted to worship it. It would be a lowercase g gods. And scripture talks about those gods in a lowercase g sense. But there is only one uppercase g god. And there only will ever be one uppercase g god. When speaking of God... Uh, omniscience and God omnipotent, there was and will forever be one. Speaking in Isaiah 44, it says, verse 8, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Capital G. Yea, there is no God. I know not any. And the psalmist adds in Psalms 92, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. While we differ in many other areas, Christians, Muslims, and Jews fully embrace this fact. Mormons do not. Why not? And what do Mormons believe about God? And why do they believe what they believe about him? And how do these beliefs affect the way they view and do everything else in their religion? I think you're going to be amazed by the answers. Tonight's program is going to go to the heart of the matter on how Mormonism is neither Christian, nor Jew, nor Muslim. In fact, it will do more to show tonight in this respect, in this respect about God, that Mormonism is more pagan, they are more atheistic than they are anything else. I don't think I need to spend any more time proving Christianity uh, holds God as the preeminent, uncreated, eternal, immutable, first cause of all things. Christians embrace that. 
But no matter what Mormon missionaries are saying to hook people into joining the church today, the LDS have very different views on God. To understand this view, we really have to first investigate the Mormon view of matter. You know, material, stuff that the, the material world is made out of. This phone, this, this cup, this shirt, my flesh. Let me share an amazing either or with you, okay? Matter has either always existed or it was created out of nothing, okay? That's it. There are no other options. Matter has always existed or it was created by God out of nothing. Pretty wild thought. Bible-believing Christians embrace the biblical idea that God, the eternal one, the first and the last, created everything, all things, out of nothing. The big phrase in this is creatio ex nihilo, okay? And we get this from Bible passages like the first four words in the Bible. In the beginning, God. All right. And from passages in the New Testament, which speaking of Jesus, say things like all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. OK, so you got that. Christians believe God originally created all things from nothing. Now, this belief is contrary to anti-deists, to atheists, to non-believers. In their minds, matter or material has always existed, and as a result of that, there is no need for a God. Matter takes on a life of its own. It is forever material. We know these people from familiar, by familiar names, uh, Marxists, materialists, atheists, and I would like in this specific area to formally add Mormons to the list. You see, like materialist atheists or guys like Karl Marx who offered the world a godless form of thinking called dialectical materialism, it's a huge word, Joseph Smith also believed that matter has always existed and that it cannot ever be created or destroyed even by God. That's really important to understand their idea of uh, polytheism, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Joseph Smith taught that God cannot create matter, and this teaching is foundational to the thrust of everything Mormonism represents. This stance alone places Mormonism opposite of the Bible, of all Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, and squarely in the corner of people who deny the power and even the existence of God. But Smith went even further. Not only did he claim that matter has always existed, he stated that there are laws and principles like virtue, thriftiness, hope, faith, any principle, these principles are also self-existent. They predate God. They exist without God, okay? To Smith, eternal principles um, existed before he was God, and as God, he has to obey these eternal laws and principles. Listen to what Smith said. Quote, every principle proceeding from God is eternal, and any principle which is not eternal is of the devil. The first step in the salvation of man is the laws of eternal and self-existent principles. Okay? 
So Joseph Smith said two things which have undergirded the LDS view of God. First, he says matter has always existed and that God cannot create or destroy matter. It's not in his ability. Second point is he says all principles and laws are eternal too, meaning God could not and did not create them either. They are self-existent. So where the first four words of the Bible say in the beginning, God, Mormon doctrine says in the beginning, there was self-existent material. And in the beginning, there was self-existent laws and principles. And then God comes along. You understand that? Automatically, we have a system that places no honor upon God, but cheapens and demeans and reduces him in terms of his omniscience and omnipresence and power. These basic theological building blocks of Mormonism lead us straight into our topic tonight, which is the LDS idea that there are many gods with a capital G. You see, if God cannot create matter from nothing, and if he is subject to rules that existed before he was God, then the God that Christians worship to Mormons is a myth. At a funeral named, uh, for a man named King Follett, just before Joseph Smith was killed in a shootout at Carthage Jail, the Mormon prophet and founder said, quote, We have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I will refute that idea and take away the veil so you may see, end quote. Psalms 92 says God is everlasting to everlasting, meaning he has no, be no beginning and no end. But Joseph Smith said, I refute, I will refute that idea. Now, LDS defenders say that the King Follett comments are sketchy because they were all recorded in diaries and not in official church history. Well, let's hear from some other LDS leaders over the ages to see what they have said about God to see if this really is an LDS concept. In the Journal of Discourses, LDS Apostle Orson Pratt said, quote, Remember that God, our Heavenly Father, was perhaps once a child and mortal like ourselves and rose step by step in the scale of progress. James Talmadge, apostle long dead, but still respected of the Mormon church said, quote, God is a being who has attained his exalted state by a path which now his children are permitted to follow. These quotes and many like them essentially reinforce the LDS view of God and the grand plan of what the LDS call eternal progression. All right, let me explain this. Again, where Christianity begins within the beginning, God, Mormonism begins with this. There was once a man who lived on a mortal, material life and earth, uh, just like we are on. And this man obeyed all the laws and principles. Uh, and if he didn't, he repented of breaking them. And he died and he was resurrected. And he, overcoming sin and death in time, became our Heavenly Father. And our Heavenly Father took with him his wife, who he married when he was a man on an earth, or his wives, because polygamy is an eternal principle. And having resurrected bodies of flesh and bone, they formed spirit bodies out of eternally existing matter. And these spirits ultimately came to earth and they make up the human race, being housed in physical bodies created from eternally existing matter. This is where you and I came from in Mormon doctrine. 
As Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother's literal children, we all have an opportunity to advance by obedience to these eternally existing laws and principles and to overcome sin and death and to become God's two uppercase G gods. This story of progression toward Godhood is foundational uh, to the faith and it unequivocally places Mormonism outside of monotheistic Christianity and into the realms of polytheism. How is Mormon polytheistic? First, it states that God the Father, who was once a man, had a heavenly father too. And this heavenly father had a heavenly father and so on and so on and so on into an eternal regression of gods. That's what they say. There's an eternal regression of gods, each propagating a world and each producing more gods as, the, uh, as it spreads out. Okay? Then Mormonism states that all human beings who embrace Mormonism also have the opportunity to become gods too. So both of these positions defy, however, the words found in Isaiah where, he, where God himself says, Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. In the Mormon Christian debate, the facts are laid out and every single person gets to willingly decide which set they embrace. And I'm going to put them, we're going to put them up on the screen. And here are the facts. All right. Mormons say God was a man. The Bible says God is eternal and not a man. Mormons say God has a father. The Bible said God is uncreated, everlasting to everlasting. Mormons say God cannot create anything from nothing. The Bible said God creates all things. Uh, God did not create laws and principles, uh, says Mormonism, but we know from the Bible God was before all things. And we know, can we scroll that up, that Mormons say God can, man can become a God, and uh, the Bible says there are, and there never will be, any other uppercase G God that uh, we would ever know of. Okay, everything Mormons do somehow supports their humanist idea of eternal progression. It's the premise behind their clean living. It's the premise behind their large families. It's the premise behind their temple attendance and their perfectionism. They are yearning toward becoming a celestial god and goddess. All right. They want to ascend on high and become gods. And this is their training ground for them to get ready. In a June 1993 article in the Insun magazine, it says, quote, the stunning truth lost to mankind before the restoration is that each of us is a God and embryo. We may become as our heavenly parents. We too, in exalted families, may one day preside in our own realms. LDS prophet Spencer W. Kimball said, quote, in each of us is the potentiality to become a a God, pure, holy, influential, true, and independent of all these earthly forces. We learn from scripture that each of us has an eternal existence, that we were in the beginning with God, and understanding this gives us a unique sense of man's dignity. Now laid out, this stuff can be pretty frightening to people when they hear it, or it can be very appealing to the general public. Because Mormonism wants to be accepted by the general public, especially when you take into account their political desires, we find them spinning this information more and more. But paradoxically, because the idea of becoming a God can be very appealing to the pride of men and women who seek, they continue to subtly support the concept in many ways. This makes understanding what Mormonism really believes with regard to God and becoming God quite confusing. So 
let's examine both sides of what they say and see through this cunning, okay? We're gonna call one side the spin, all right? And we're gonna call the other side the lure. Let me first give you the spin. Back in 1997, in an interview with a reporter from the San Francisco Chronicle, LDS prophet Gordon B. Hinckley, instead of boldly proclaiming this fundamental LDS belief uh, that God was once a man, rather vaguely said, the reporter said, don't Mormons believe that God was once a man? And Hinckley replied, quote, I wouldn't say that. There was a little couplet coined, as man is, God once was, as God is, man may become. Now that's more of a couplet than anything else. That gets into some pretty deep theology we don't know very much about. I watched this interview. I was still a member of the church, and my mouth dropped, hit the floor, because it was so deceptive compared to what all LDS knew. Then Hinckley, in an August 1997 interview in Time magazine, is quoted by writer David Van Bema as saying, in regard to the doctrine of God once being a man, I don't know that we teach it. I don't know that we emphasize it. End quote. Again, I'm flabbergasted. Just one year earlier, in the LDS magazine, The Ensign, Bob Millett of BYU wrote, quote, God is an exalted and glorified being that he was once a man and dwelt on an earth, end quote. This shows you how deceptive and duplicitous they are with the general public compared to what they do and say amongst themselves. What was going on here? Hinckley was being deceptive and millions were calling him the prophet. Well, President Hinckley got some heat from his own for saying that stuff. And less than a year later, in another act of sheer duplicity, he stood up in an LDS general conference and he provided a coded message that would be both consistent to what he said publicly and then would also support the Latter-day Saints' knowledge that they are working to become gods like their Heavenly Father uh, was once a man and became a god. This is how he did it. He asked the question from the pulpit in the Mormon general conference, what's the doctrine of deity of God? What is the Mormon doctrine deity of God? Then he quoted from Joseph Smith himself saying, it is the first principle of the gospel to know for certainty the character of God and to know that we converse with him as one man converses with another. Now you hear that and you might think, well, that's kind of innocuous. It didn't mean anything. Where was the duplicity? He didn't finish the quote from Joseph Smith. And LDS people knew that there was more to that quote that Joseph Smith had said, the people who study. Had he finished the quote, he would have read this quote from Joseph Smith. It is the first principle of the gospel to know for certainty the character of God and to know that we converse with him as one man converses with another and that he was once a man like us. Yea, that God himself, the father of us all, dwelt on an earth, the same as Jesus Christ did, and I will show it from the Bible, end quote. So Hinckley used a partial quote from Joseph Smith to justify what he said publicly on television to the world, but he knew that the LDS knew the full quote by Joseph Smith, which admitted that God was once a man. Right here, Hinckley led the LDS church into an era of spin and uh, doctrinal spin doctrine. Early LDS President Joseph Fielding Smith wrote, quote, Our Heavenly Father, according to the prophet, had a father. And since there has been a condition of this kind through all eternity, each father had a father. Brigham Young said in LDS Journal of Discourses, how many gods are there? I don't know. But there was never a time when there was not gods and not worlds and when men were passing through the same ordeals that we are passing through today. 
The new and more duplicitous LDS uh, Hinckley said, I don't know that we teach it. I don't know that we emphasize it. So that's the first part LDS spin. Now, in a more academic form of denial on uh, online apologists, they are starting to call themselves not polytheists, but henotheists. And henotheism was a word coined by a 19th century guy who studied Hinduism named Max Mueller. And Mueller is the guy who coined henotheism. And all henotheism means is that somebody worships one God while recognizing there are many other gods out there too. Uh, big freaking academic deal. The Mormons are calling themselves henotheists now in the academic circles online instead of polytheists. Listen, a polytheist by any other name is still a polytheist. And God knows it. Finally, LDS missionaries are starting to tell people that we can become like God instead of a God. But bottom line, the LDS know that they are seeking to become a God. Finally, before we go to the phones, my close friend Dave, he sent us a, uh, a, a copy from a conversation one of his friends had online at mormon.org. Now, mormon.org provides these people who respond for the Mormon church to questions that investigators have. And we're going to end with this really quickly. Uh, the, guy, the, the person's name uh, who is representing the Mormon's name is Chris. How may I help you? Uh, the, I'm just going to call the person Bob. Bob says, hi, what do Mormons believe about God? Chris says, God is perfect, all wise, all powerful, the ruler of the universe. He is also merciful, kind, and just. He's our Father in heaven. We are created in his image. He has a body like ours and a body that is immortal, perfected, and has glory and that I cannot describe. But we are his children. He knows and loves us individually. He has a plan to help his children find joy in this life and return to live with him when this life is over. Bob, the inquisitor, asks, do you accept the statement as God is, as man is, God once was, as God is, man may become? And the respondent for the church says, this is not found in any standard works. Simple as that. Like, no, we, we're not going to, this is not found in any standard works. Okay. And then the investigator says, we believe, I mean, then Chris says, we believe in continuing revelation, which is that God can reveal things to his prophets when he speaks to us. And then the questioner says, does God have a body, fingers, toes, etc.?" The uh, LDS responded, yes. The inquisitor, is he married? We believe that we have a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. The inquisitor, is he changing? He is eternal and unchanging. Is there more than one God? We believe in what is called the Godhead, which consists of God the Father, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. Three different personages with the same purpose. Uh, okay, then, since God is an exalted man, was there ever a time when He was not God? The LDS responded, yes, He was a man, exclamation point. So God, the God and creator of the universe, was not always God. Doesn't this contradict the Bible? How does the universe get created while He was on another planet? The LDS responded, it's all about progression. He first progressed to Godhood just like a student progresses to a PhD. And then he created the earth. I, I can't even. And then the investigator says, then who created the universe before him? Do you think in your faith that he's considered a regional manager God? And, and the guy says, God has a heavenly father just like you have a father and your grandfather is your father's father. Okay. And then he goes on and talks about how the church is true because Joseph Smith saw uh, uh, God the Father in the flesh, which is highly disputed by Grant Palmer's book, Inside His View of Mormon Origins. You know, uh, 
you got to decide what you're going to follow. My friends, choose you this day whom you will serve. Uh, Almighty God, who is from everlasting to everlasting, who created all things from nothing, all things, or the Mormon God, a glorified man who has a father, who has a father, who has a father, who is limited, not the original source, and whom you can become if you do everything the Mormons say. I certainly hope you'll look at this and investigate it. Let's open up the phone lines, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. And uh, we'll take your calls. LDS callers, please. First time callers, please. Turn down your TV sets. I'm going to talk to you for a second. We're going to go to Bob and Layton. First time LDS. Jim in Madison, Ohio. And uh, Jason in Madison, Ohio. And Jim in Salt Lake City, a first time caller. Listen, last week I was doing the spot about uh, financial support. And I said uh, television production has gone up a lot. Well, I hurt the feelings of the station owners. Uh, the jackass will always hurt the feelings of somebody. Uh, and Pat and Connie and Spence, they have supported our ministry. We started and we self-funded the ministry for about uh, four years ourselves. And then we came here and got an opportunity to do a television show. And they supported us in that by letting us have free airtime. And uh, over the course of the years, television has gotten expensive for them. So they've passed it on to us. I, and I'm very grateful for what they have done for us. And I did not mean to uh, act like they were gouging us or anything. They're trying to survive. They have kept the station running on their own too. So please forgive me for that, Pat, Connie, Spence, and, uh, and everybody else who I might have insulted. If you're interested in supporting us uh, financially, you can partner with us. Some people have done that. You can send in what you can, or you can pray for us. You can volunteer with us. You can uh, do anything you, you want. Uh, we just appreciate your thoughts, your prayers. And if you're in a position and God so leads, help us out. We'll put some information on the screen as the show goes on and talk about that. So let's pick up the calls and we are going to go to uh, first time caller, Bob. Bob, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, Sean. Uh, I would uh, like just to express my opinion that you are a really great guy, and I enjoy watching your show. And I pray for you that the Lord will help you and protect you and your family, because actually I joined Mormon Church out east, and I live here in Utah for about 23, 24 years, and I found out that Mormonism is same, you know, as communism or Nazism. They, they like, you know, to control your mind psychologically. They influence people with their wives and their families. They try to make people sick if they, you know, disagree with them. <clears throat> And that's why my comment is that uh, what I found out here for the last 24 years, that Mormons in Utah are real gods of economy and politics. Yeah. And, and they also have a lot of influence all across the nation with a lot of, you know, investments and, you know, big corporations. That's why I'm praying for you that the Lord will protect you and, and, and your family and you you need to be you need to be you know really careful you know that well thanks Bob and I really appreciate you sharing your insights because some people think I'm just up here 
to do whatever, destroy things, but I, there are so many people like you who experience the, have this experience, and I'm glad you're willing to come on and share it. I hope your lines aren't tapped. Well, I want just to add this, that I tried to leave the Mormon church. I wrote the letters two times. They didn't let me, and they used my wife to keep, you know, pressure on me, and I'm still trying, you know. Well, we'll and keep, I, we'll keep I, you in I, prayer, I, my brother. Okay, thank you. Thanks for watching. God bless. Okay, God bless you too. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. We're going to Adam in Phoenix, Arizona, first-time caller and LDS. Adam, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello. Hi, Adam. You, you got to turn your TV or your computer down. There we go. It's off. You're on the air, man. I am? Yeah. Is this Sean? It is. Wow. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> nice beard, by the way. Thank you. And uh, I, I just, I am LDS, just so you know. Uh-huh. Um, I just wanted to, ha I have a question for you. Um, yeah. What is the, the mission of your ministry? Uh, well, it's, it's kind of uh, multifaceted. If, if you saw our mission statement, it says it's Aletheia Ministries is to reach, teach, and serve. And we try to reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We try to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we try to serve. Now, we primarily reach out and teach uh, to, and compare and contrast Mormonism and biblical Christianity. Our primary focus is to help bring seeking Latter-day Saints to a knowledge of the uh, gospel of grace uh, uh, that is found in the Bible. Okay. And so that's our primary focus. Now, secondary to that is there are, in my opinion, a lot of people who cannot fit in the Mormon church. For one reason or another, Mormonism is an all or nothing totalistic uh, religion. And if you don't kind of conform, you're cast out, but I'm not saying literally, just socially. And so it, our, a second part is for us to offer in the state of Utah an alternative. Now, in my mind, it's not an alternative that is lesser, it is the, the right way. But in this state, I realize most Latter-day Saints are not going to listen to me, but there is a segment who are seeking because they are so unfulfilled in that religion. So the second part of our ministry is reaching out to Latter-day Saints who can't make it in that church for whatever reason it would be. Third, okay, Sean, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, do you believe it's possible for a Latter-day Saint to get close to Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him? Sure. Okay, so... If, so you think there's a bunch of us that are doing it the wrong way? or? Well, I think doctrinally from Salt Lake City headquarters down, it's a false religion. It's, it's, it's completely antithetical to the biblical teachings. And so doctrinally, the whole thing is corrupt. But individuals can know Christ because the Holy Spirit is going to work on people wherever they are. But doctrinally, okay. the church itself, no. I do not believe they, they teach anything that helps people uh, get to the real, true, and living Christ. So anything like, say, that they're going to tell us this weekend at a conference is going to be uh, worthless? Well, I'll tell you why. Jesus gave up a, a teaching about good fruit. And he said a, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. And so what he's saying there is you can't have a single tree and that tree with its root system is going to have branches that produce good fruit, and then other branches of that tree are going to produce really bad fruit. He says a good tree produces good fruit. Where Mormonism goes wrong is they teach a lot of good things. 
But in the end, it is a bad fruit because they teach things that are contrary to the Bible. And so anything that's said, in my opinion, is wrong and bad, no matter how good it seems on its surface. I see. Well, I mean, I, I get the blind sense man. You, what? That, yeah, I get, I get the sense. I mean, I, I think you're a, I think your heart's in the right place. You're, you're looking after your fellow man, I, I could say, I guess. But um, I, I just can't get past this um, Mormon Jesus, you call him. I, I think my Jesus is the same as yours. I know you believe that, Adam. But see, we can go through a dialogue if you want, and I could show you how you name the subject of Jesus, and there might be three or four things that we agree upon, and there's going to be a hundred things that we disagree upon. But I know you believe we believe in the same one. There's a reason that biblical Christianity has historically renounced Mormonism as a cult. And it's because their view of Jesus and the soteriology that he offers, meaning the salvation he offers, is so different in Mormonism than it is in Christianity. This is nothing new. I'm just regurgitating what's been said before. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know that for a fact. So do you want to go um, through a couple items and say we, we have the same Jesus in this way? What I really wanted to do is be a voice of a of a intelligent, non-condescending uh, Mormon to talk to you. I appreciate um, it. <laughs> um, I, I just I just wanted to get really your your mission. Now I understand more about you. Okay. Um, and I gotta go. So God bless. God bless you. Okay. Bye, bye bye. Now now he Adam had a perfect opportunity to show the world that Mormonism worships the same Jesus, but he backed out on that completely. He didn't even want to give one. We, we could have talked about a hundred things about Jesus. He didn't even want to give. Why? Because he knows that there are differences, but he is in a public forum now and he doesn't want to embarrass the church and he doesn't want to really maybe even think for himself. Adam, come on, man. Open your eyes. Let's get down to business. This is important stuff. We're going to go to James. And we're going to go to Jim in Salt Lake City, first time caller. Jim, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah, hi, Sean. Hi. Hey, um, I, uh, I've been having the Mormon missionaries coming over. Uh -huh. I uh, I don't belong to the church, that church. Okay. But uh, I grew up Catholic, and I believe in the Holy Trinity, Sean. Okay. And I I uh, this this show you have on tonight is just fitting in perfectly with what they've been telling me. But anyway, we got on this discussion about gods and all, and they were saying to me, uh, this plurality of gods thing it's biblical. But those scriptures that you showed at first proves that it's not. Yeah. And uh, anyway, they says to me, they says, uh, read in Genesis, and they, we open up Genesis, and it says, look, it says... Let us. Eh, eh, huh? Let us. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Let us make man in our, in, his, in our own image? Yeah, let us make man in our own image. And then it says, and then after they partook of the fruit, it said something like, uh, man has become as one of us. Yeah. Yeah, well, and then and then they went on, Sean. Hold on, let me give you the rest. And then they went on and they they showed me where Stephen was being stoned. Yeah, remember? Yeah. And and, and it says that they looked up steadfastly into heaven or something, and that he saw God the Father and Jesus Christ standing on His right hand side. See, yeah. they said, see, they're separate, they're plural. And then they gave me another scripture in, in Revelations, and it was in the first three one chapters six. of chapter one. And it said something like they were singing praises unto God and his, his father. father. Yeah. And every one of those, one. every one of those, Jim, is answered easily by any biblical Christian, let alone scholar. 
Mormonism's okay, cherry pick. Did you see how you went Genesis and then you went a little here and then you went to Revelation and then, look at this is what it says. But you look at the Bible as a whole and you look at those passages, they are easily explained and they are cherry picking. That's what they do. Oh, yeah. Well, I've read the Bible. I've read it through. Yeah. So you know when it says, let us uh, make man in our own image, Jim, you're a believer in the Holy Trinity, then you understand right. that there's nothing wrong with the plural us. Right. And then they brought up, Sean, in, in Corinthians where it says something like, we'll be heirs to God, meaning we'll have everything he has, and First, joint heirs with Christ. What is that? Uh, we will be joint heirs with Christ. Christ is, is the mediator between God and man. There's no problem with that. Amen. Uh, heirs, heirs to God. Uh, amen. Jesus oh, is so, God. But that okay, doesn't mean so we're going to become gods. I mean, it, oh. it, the Bible is emphatic that we are men. We are going right. to be glorified and exalted through Christ. But this idea Lord, of God's and, and eternal progression and ma managing worlds and having babies for eternity, it's a total humanist construct. Right. <laughs> I okay, like this guy. Hey, Jim, we're going to move on. Thanks for calling. Okay. Thanks for the call. Bye. Okay, Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to Kale in Germany. Wow. Kale? Kale? German lady? Or man? She hung up. What a bummer. I want to talk to a German. Let's go to Jason in Madison, Ohio. Jason, you're on Heart of the Matter. Can't get two up. Something's going on. Jason? It's the devil. Jason? He's not coming on, man. So let's, let me talk about some things. We'll wait, uh, and we're going to come back. And uh, listen, Provo Baptist on center, West Center is the Provo Baptist we'll be speaking. Can you scroll that up? In Mormonism, can a spirit spontaneously be created without a God or another spirit creating it? In Mormonism, God the Father and his wife create the spirits out of pre-existing intelligences. That's what we were, our spirits, and he gathered them. The brightest intelligences were Jesus. And up there in the level was Lucifer, uh, son of the morning. And then he started creating different intelligences from this matter out there. And so God the Father and Heavenly Mother in Mormonism creates all the spirits that come down and inhabit the bodies of people on earth. Wendy from Grants Pass, Oregon, do you think Glenn Beck is aware of his LDS history? Uh, Glenn Beck is a great historian. I'm, a, I'm amazed at his uh, ability to believe in Mormonism. Uh, if, if he is really the historian he, he claims to be and seems to be, like with the Constitution, he should know Mormon history. I think Glenn Beck uh, had a good experience with Mormonism, and I think he promotes it, and I think he's deceived. And so uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, and then uh, Colin in Dallas Fort Worth area, do you ever, did you ever believe all you were taught in the church? If not, what, when did you start to doubt? Uh, I, I vacillated back and forth as a member of the church. I learned things that were kind of funny to me. I always tell the story about my friends and I, deacons. We'd make fun about how Joseph Smith said you had to shake a spirit's hand to see if it was really of the devil or whatever. And maybe the devil would put a buzzer in his hand and, oh, that was really a story. We, 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 I doubted stuff like that. But uh, I went on the mission. I really embraced the Book of Mormon. I was a full salesman for it. But I always had a questioning you know, about different things. You go through the temple, man, you're like, 
whoa. And uh, so you, that kind of shocks you, but you put on the blinders because you know your parents are doing it and your whole family's doing it, blinder, blinder, blinder. Your bishop who's been nice to you since you were this big is doing it, you know, blinder, blinder, blinder. And what happens is you just kind of get slowly cooked like a frog in a big pot of, of cold water, you know. They just keep turning up the heat. And before you know it, you're and, and, and you think it's normal. So uh, it, it, ta it takes time and they start you when you're really young. And so uh, I doubted, and I, I wondered, and then finally the Lord brought me out. So, uh, Kali in Germany's back. Kali, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, this is Kala. Kala, how are you? I like that name. Uh, thank you very much, but um, you probably shouldn't try to, uh, to pronounce it. And I have friends from high school who don't know how to say it right, so I usually go by K when I'm in the States. Okay, let me try this. You ready? Okay. Kala. Yeah, close enough. Probably your daughter in Sweden taught you. All right, caller, go ahead. Well, I just wanted basically to let you know how you know how far your ministry is reaching over here. I've, uh, as I've told you on like via email, um, I've had a couple of run-ins with uh, missionaries. I seem to have a I, I'm need I'm in need of spiritual guidance sign floating above <laughs> my head. And they come up to me on the marketplace, and then I'm always nice enough to invite them in. As in, like, yeah, sure, you can stop by. And the first time that happened, I was actually kind of curious and started researching on their site, and then like the, the LDS site, and uh, was frankly kind of appalled by what I saw, and then, you know, started researching online because there isn't that many books in German uh, uh. on the LDS church or, you know, like English books available here in, in uh, libraries. Huh. And that's how I stumbled across you, and that's uh, where it went. And to give you, you know, like a feedback as far as reaching... LDS via me, uh, one of the kids that sat in my living room and I had a discussion with about three times uh, actually like dropped me a piece of paper in my um, like my mailbox saying thanks for getting me to start thinking. Uh, wow. I haven't heard from him since. Praise but God, man. That is awesome. Just to let you know that you're actually doing uh, work over here as well and not just in Utah. Oh, thanks so much, Kyle. I really appreciate it. Praise God, and thank you for that report. I hope it continues. Keep the word going. The Lord is bringing them to you because he's, uh, he's using you to, to get into their heads. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's him, not me. So that's, uh, that's essentially it. Amen. Thanks so much, Kala. Take care, Sean. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye. All right. Uh, that was awesome. Amen. We're going to Michael in Salt Lake City, a first-time caller. I just got in trouble by our audio person. That, that buzzing was my fault. All right, you're on the air, Michael. Hey, Sean, what's up? I just had a question for you. Um, I used to be Mormon. Yeah. And, you know, you know, um, you know I'm not anymore. Um, but I just had a question. Um, with, you know, with Christianity, you put so much faith in the Bible and uh -huh. the assuming that the Bible is true, just as a given. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, through your show, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to debunk the Book of Mormon. I mean, you can pretty much tell the Book of Mormon's of a, a, a false writing, basically. Yeah. I mean, and we, we can both agree on that. But, I mean, it, it's we can so easily discount the, the Book of Mormon. Um, you know, what, what about the Bible? I mean, is is if you look back at history, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, skepticism of, if the Bible is actually the Word of God, and it just seems that um, seems that you take you take the Bible as a given. I mean, is in your in your sermons and in your in your teachings and stuff, and yeah. you know, and I'm talking about Christianity in general. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys ever like look at the 
actual secular side of the Bible? I mean, or I do have. you just automatically take the Bible as a gift? No, 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 no. No, I, I've uh, looked at the Bible uh, through secular eyes, through higher criticism. I've examined their, uh, their points, and some of their points, when they really get with a fine-tooth comb, they have some points in terms of translation, just a few here and there. But they have no bearing on uh, content. They have no bearing on meaning. There's a few words they can make. But I'll tell you this. Read Norman Geisler. Uh, you can go through and you can find the things that they say, this is problematic, and then listen to the explanations for the problems. And, and, and see what happens is you can get on the internet and you can see, you can say like problems of the Bible. And you'll see this site from this hardened, cynical atheist. Did you know that it says this here and this here? And when you read it, you think, oh, that's ridiculous. How could it say that? But all you got to do is just listen to the context of the Bible as a whole as to what all that means. And I have yet, I have yet to see anything that convinces me that the Bible is errant. I've yet to see it. There are mistranslations of a few words. There's problems in there. But I have yet to hear someone say this specific argument of the Bible I want to show you that the whole thing is false because of this one thing or even that this one thing is false. So that's the challenge you need to do and, 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 and take it seriously and search. Keep your eyes open to prove it wrong, but keep your eyes open to prove it right. And I think you will not find one single thing that debunks that entire book, 44 writers or 36 or whatever it was over a 1500 year period of time without contradiction. Um, it's just an, um, it's the most amazing book on the face of this uh, universe. And yet people are quickly dismiss it because they hear something. Oh, the Bible, you can't trust that. It was written 70 years after Jesus died and all this stuff. Uh, maybe someday we're going to have a show to defend the Bible. Maybe we can do that next year and just really lay that down. But it's a good call, Michael. I challenge you to really challenge it. And, and definitely Christians aren't afraid to study it out. They're, they're not okay. afraid to look at the, the tougher stuff, so you do the same. Okay, that, that sounds fair. I appreciate your time. All right, you're welcome, Michael. Thanks so much. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. We're going to Casey, line four. Casey, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how are you? Casey, good. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Hey, I wanted to just share with some of your callers, Adam especially, um, a couple verses in the Book of Mormon that I have found in this last week. Okay. Um, the first one, I think it's pronounced Mosiah? Yeah. Okay, so in Mosiah, chapter 15, verse 1, it says, I would that ye shall understand that God himself, God himself shall come down among the children of men and shall redeem his people. And because he dwelleth in flesh, he shall be called the Son of God. Now we go to Alma. Um, it is Alma, chapter 11, verse 38. Um, it's talking, Zizram is talking to Emulek, and it says, And Zizram saith unto him, Is the Son of God the very eternal Father? And Amulek saith, said unto him, Yea, he is the very eternal Father of heaven and of earth. Yeah. And it continues on. I just wanted to share that with your callers, um, the LDS that might be seeking, that they look through Alma and, is it Mosiah? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of verses in, in even Second Nephi that actually say, that, that they do in those early days believe that, that Jesus and God are one. That's a really good point, Casey. Thanks so much. Thank you. God bless. See you too. Bye-bye. Listen, and what the, the important part about that is this. Joseph Smith produced a book that was foundationally uh, borrowed from the Bible, 
and the doctrines that he took from, he borrowed from the preachings he had heard from when he was a kid, all the way up to what he produced that book and whoever helped write that book. And so you find biblical themes all throughout. And one of the biblical themes Casey was pointing out is that the Book of Mormon teaches that uh, uh, God, uh, the Father, uh, condescended below all things and took on a, bo and took on a body of flesh. Uh, and then Zeezrom saying uh, these other quotations, the Book of Mormon supports a one God uh, doctrine, monotheism. But as Joseph Smith got more and more into his own head and the power, he began to divert and go into all this other stuff. And so uh, the point is well taken. The Book of Mormon, while, while it is a fraud and while it borrows from the Bible, it does in many ways teach the proper idea of who God is. Uh, and then later on, these ideas from Joseph Smith came about. So uh, really good point. Really appreciate that. Noel's question, really, uh, really quickly, we're going to go to this before we wrap it up. Um, this is from someone who said, hello, my name is Noel and I've been a Christian all my life. My uh, first church was an assembly of God, but my mother put me in a Baptist private school and she wanted me to be brought up and raised in the Bible environment. I have been looking for a good church and spent some time with the LDS. They are welcoming me and enjoy spending a lot of time with their fellowship and activities. Yet I'm also put the Bible and Book of Mormon and I enjoy reading the Book of Mormon, but the Bible better. But that is probably my Bible background. What I have a problem about the Latter-day Saints is the strong values they place on male, female, because I was not born a true gender. There are a lot of people like me that have this too. It's called intersex. I wish the LDS would lay off their strong values that everyone is male and female because there are probably those they are alienating who are born with defects such as ambiguous genitalia, abnormal chromosomes, and other things like mutated cancerous gonads and hardly any precedent on just male, female, but leans toward a third gender. What? Can you tell me about what you think of this matter? For I believe God loves us all. I was raised female, by the way, but believe because of my defects, I was meant to be raised as a male or something of that nature. I'm reading that because we live in a fallen world. That was not the idea of God. God did not want things going that way. That went that way because we brought sin into this world. God loves everybody, every one of you. And he calls out to us, regardless of these defects and these problems we have, the whole thing is to come to him as you are. I don't care what you are. Come to him as you are and seek his ways and his will in your life. He understands all the strange, freakish, strange, hard, difficult, painful extremes of this world but he is calling to you. He will make all things new in the end. And that means these types of things. It means homosexuality. It means thieves. It means liars, adulterers, drunkards. All of those things come to the throne of grace and he will save you and change your life. So with that, next week we're going to do Priesthood. We'll see you then here on Heart of the Matter. Bye. Break my rusty cage and run. I'm going.
Gonna break my rusty cage.